Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I'm going to share this morning on something I've never shared on before. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not really new territory for a lot of us, but I hope it makes you think. So is that okay on a Sunday morning? Good. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Let me pray before we dig into this. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness to us. And we pray you would speak to us, you would grow us and strengthen us in fresh new ways, even this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would speak exactly what you want us to hear this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for, for a lot of uh, the next generation, they, they uh, it's particularly in Pentecostal circles, Pentecostal charismatic circles, um, they really have no clue what Calvinism or Arminianism is. And that's actually okay. But I want to scratch the surface for five minutes this morning just to introduce something because um, typically uh, Baptist churches, as I grew up in and my dad typically having reformed beliefs, which is Calvinistic beliefs, I've looked at these things a fair bit over the years because I haven't just wanted to adopt what someone else uh, believes just because, you know, it's taught to you as you grow up. It's good to explore these things. And it's interesting, I used to think they were kind of a whole lot of rubbish. Everyone, you know, should just be able to believe what they want to believe. And as you get a little bit older, you realize, hey, it's actually good to have an idea of what do I believe and why do I believe it? And so my question this morning is, are there rewards for believers? Are there rewards for believers? Yes is the obvious answer, but let's explore that a little bit more. Are there rewards for believers? The reason I opened up this morning on talking about Calvinism and Arminianism is because these two belief um, uh, patterns, if you like, uh, or understandings of theology are very pivotal. And once you understand them, you can see all across the earth generally who has a mindset uh, of Calvinism or who has a mindset of Arminianism, typically Pentecostals, Arminianism, typically evangelical conservatives, Calvinistic reformed theologians, etc., etc. And so we have these two streams. Now, I am not a purist in the sense of adopting one wholly and solely. I like to look at them and really see what's relevant for me. Uh, and that's happening more and more in this day and age. But the reason I want to open that up is because Calvin came up with the real clear doctrine in uh, his five understandings of doctrine um, with the acronym TULIP. But you can go into that if you want to do some research uh, but one of them is that is once saved, always saved. So let me ask you that question. If someone believes in Jesus, can they lose their salvation? Don't give me an answer out loud, please. Because I want you to go away and really, really, really thoroughly research this and make sure that you know. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, to be honest, you know, you're going to have to find your own understanding on this because I can give you my view, but you're going to have to form your own view. And there are great men and women all over the world who teach 
Yes, great women and men and women all over the world who teach. No. And so it's really good for us to dig into the scriptures for ourselves. And that's my job this morning is to prod you. I'm not probably going to give you a whole lot of answers, but I will raise a lot of questions. Why would we, why would we in, a, in a Holy Spirit-loving, revival-hungering church even worry about this sort of stuff? The reason we'd worry about this sort of stuff is because it's scripture. And it has a lot to do with our prayer life and our emphasis and what we see going on around us. And so getting an understanding, I want to encourage you, search out the scriptures for answers on these topics. Because you can only do so much in 25, half an hour on a Sunday morning. And and our job as believers is to go and dig into scripture ourselves and find out what does scripture say, because that's the voice of the Lord for us anyway. And so we'll get an understanding of that. But the reason I open that up is because we have, if we have an understanding of salvation in a certain way, it will, it will filter everything, the way we see the world, the way we see people, the way we see the lost, the way we see heaven and earth and ourselves and et cetera, et cetera. It's very, very important because it forms a lens as to how we see things. And if we have a lens of scripture, then it's, then it's much, much clearer. And that's what we need to ensure that our current generation, next generations view the world through scriptural lenses, not through feelings. Um, if you want some really controversial but really good research, watch some video clips from Praga U. Dennis Praga, excellent, excellent teaching because in this modern day, he sends these young people, millennials typically, out onto university campuses and they do interviews. And they'll ask typical questions like, how many genders are there? And the, and the majority of them will scratch their head and go, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And, and it just it typifies how stupid modern-day university emphasis is in the political correct, but in the agenda against Christ. But we've got to have a biblical view so that we understand that this is exactly what Scripture says will happen. Things will get twisted. Things will get contorted. Things will get weird. There will be persecution. There will be suffering and trials. Some will rise up and say, I know this, and there'll be false, false messiahs, if you like, and false doctrine. And so we, we need to be robust in our understanding and our belief. And so I want to throw enough bombs at you today that you're going to go away going, I've got to find out what on earth that means. And, uh, and a good place to start, I think, is Calvinism. Look up the acronym TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. And the acronym breaks out very clear understanding of doctrine through a Calvinistic view. Yes, you can do the same uh, in an, uh, for Arminianism as well. And both are good to explore. And so it's a long-winded way of saying there's a whole lot of stuff that we are going to face in the coming days that is going to make us question what we believe and why we believe it. And the only place we're going to know rock solid what we believe is the Word of God. Is the Word of God. It's not on even a nice person up the front. I used to think Barack Obama was just the most articulate person in the world, and he actually is, but, but understanding some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So articulation in and of itself is not enough. Good articulation. Tony Abbott wasn't a great orator, but some of the stuff he was doing was really good. 
And so we got to be careful that we don't just take sound bites from people who say things we want to hear in the way we want to hear it. Like Hollywood getting up and taking awards and telling us all off. You know, they're driving their limo and they're telling us off about climate change, etc., etc. And complete hypocrisy. Don't listen to that sort of stuff. Listen to the Word of God. Let that be the root of understanding. Let that be the truth of life because there'll be a whole lot of stuff bombarded us in the next decades to come. And it will come from young and old. It will come from holy. It will come from poverty. It will come from all sorts of arenas. We need to be able to stand in the Word of God and say, that's not what the Word of God teaches. So it's really important to to gain an understanding on this. I think I want to break this morning up into two things. We have salvation, which is when we are born again, and then we have inheritance. Two separate, distinguishable things that Scripture talks about. Paul talks about it a lot. And so when Scripture talks about inheritance, a lot of the time it's using that word talking about our rewards, not so much about our salvation. Search it out for yourself. It's a good one to have a look at. So we have salvation when we are born again and we have inheritance or our rewards. Rewards may be on earth, but rewards mostly it's talking about in heaven. Now, interestingly enough, in our modern day and age that we live in now, thinking about banking up something for in 50 years or some of us, who knows when, you know, we just don't know the hour or the day, but... It is the most foreign thing in this instant society where we need everything now, quick, fast, you know, lose weight, 10 days, take a pill, you know, rah, rah, rah. This is the world we live in. Everything has to be super fast because if you teach and train on longevity or on eternity, people switch off. Their attention spans just just aren't there anymore for it. So when we're talking about inheritance through the lens of Scripture, we're actually talking about what you and I are building up here on earth for the next life. The next life. I believe there are millions upon millions upon millions of people that we have never heard of and that we are going to never hear about. They have no likes on Facebook. They have no money here on earth. They have no popularity. But millions upon millions upon millions who will have the greatest rewards in eternity. Because they've suffered through all of the stuff that the Apostle Paul says he suffered all this stuff, beatings and persecutions and shipwrecks, and he counts it all to to the glory of his account, if you like, in my version. But he, he counts it all for the gospel. In this day and age, this is not a popular gospel. We don't have to be rich. We don't have to have all these things to gain happiness here. It's great if we can, and we're big believers on stewarding our time here on earth as well as we possibly can. You know that. But with eternity in mind, this is a blink of an eye. It's a blink of an eye. It doesn't mean we're terrible stewards, but that actually motivates us to be even better stewards here on earth. Sometimes we fall into the trap of looking at, say, Mormons and Jehovah's Witness. 
And we see them on Saturdays, particularly Mormons in their white short sleeves, uh, shirts, the, the American t- uh, young 20s boys, I'm picking the typicals, uh, the black pants, riding their bicycles around with, with elder you know, Johnson or whatever their name is, badges put on here. And we look at them and go, aha, see, they're, they're trying to earn their salvation. And little do we know, sometimes we're actually judging, and I've done this many times, I've looked at them and judged them and think, oh, they, they think they have to do that to earn their salvation. While we're reclining back on our chair on a Saturday morning, sipping our soda, doing absolutely nothing. So who's in the better situation? I don't know. It's another question for you to explore. And I'm not about to put in a regime of having to wear that and do that. But sometimes we fall into the trap of being the laziest form of believers on the earth because we've got everything for free. And we know the grace of God. We have amazing teaching on the grace of God. We love the grace of God. And so we sit in the grace of God, basking in that amazing grace, the big bath called the amazing grace of God. And sometimes we do very little with what we've got here. And so don't be surprised, and it's a challenge for me as well, don't be surprised if in heaven we don't know any of the people who have got the biggest mansions of all. Uh, that, that it probably won't be those that we know the big names Because the Bible talks a lot about, let's go to Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is things done here on earth, whether good or bad. We must all, there will not be one person who does not meet Jesus face to face. Every single one of us will stare him in the eyes and there will not need to be a word uttered. It will just pierce our soul. We don't need anything else. It will pierce our soul with truth, with life, and we will know instantly his heart toward us so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to just explore something momentarily. And you could go in a whole lot of directions this morning, but I'm going to try and keep it fairly simple. And this is the grace of God. The grace of God, when we come into Jesus Christ and we give him our life and he washes us with his blood, he washes the sin away from us, we become born again, we become a new person. We, he adopts us, Scripture says, adopts us into a spirit of sonship, in a, a relationship of sonship. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the gospel. And once we do that, we then are covered in his blood. So at the judgment seat of Christ, when we're we're face to face with Jesus, he sees us, the Father sees us through the eyes of Jesus. And he's washed us clean. He's been the sacrificial lamb for our sin. He was sacrificed for every sin you've ever committed and every sin I'm ever going to commit. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And so the Father says, you are clean. You are free. You are healed. 
These are words of righteousness and truth and hope. And we, we need to remember that this is an act of grace because he did that before we were born, before we were sinners, so to speak, before we were created. And so him in taking our sin, we always remember that it's by the grace of God that you and I are even in this place. Because he called you, he went after you, even if we didn't know it, he was going after us, just like he's doing it to to billions of people across the face of the earth right now. He's calling them in. He's calling them in. And so there's a, a desire of the heart of the Father that we would come to him. And when he views us through the lens of Christ, he views us pure and spotless. Those who don't have Christ don't have the sacrifice for their sin. So they are viewed for what they've done. They haven't been washed. They haven't been cleansed. They haven't been purified by the blood of the Lamb like we have who believe. And so there are ramifications for that. And so this is the gospel. It's very simple. It's very clean. But it reminds us to always be sharing the good news with people if we can, if and when we can. Always be sharing the good news because you never know when you're going to share it with someone who needs to hear it, who's just primed, ready for the gospel, ready for that truth to sink into their heart. He's working on people right now who are around us. He's speaking at them. He's speaking to them and and we just never know. And so it's important that we realise that judgment will be for all. One of the recurring Scriptures, and we'll read a couple here. Matthew 6 4 says, So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew 6 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. This is an interesting couple of verses because what it's saying is, don't get accolades. On earth, get accolades in heaven. If we get accolades for being such a generous giver and doing this, and we do it so that we get noticed by other people, we've already got our reward. Forget about the reward in heaven. I remember when Karen and I, when we had our business, we had our best year in business. I'll be honest with you, we made $10 million profit in one year. Why would I tell you that? Because the next year we lost it. But um, anyway, the ups and downs of business, hey? But um, interesting thing, on that year, we, ha- we met with our accountants and um, sort of working through how we're going to tithe-, tithe on this thing because if you own a company, you know what it's like. It's a cash flow issue, not so much a profit issue. And so you're working through that. You're working through distributions and allocations and all that other t- interesting tax stuff. And I remember uh, sitting there going, boy, okay, how are we going to work this through? Um, And uh, anyway, we made our largest donation we've ever done personally. Um, We made it overseas. And um, I remember at the time, for months after that, we heard absolutely nothing. And um, in fact, since then, that was a number of years ago, we've never heard anything. I, I, I assume the money got there. <laughs> I, well, it certainly went out of our account. But, um, but I remember thinking on this passage at that time and thinking, wow, we're never going to get a pack on the back. From that realm of the world, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant to us. 
We've got to give. That's our part, what God does with it. Uh, even, even sometimes if we give, you know, uh, no, I won't even go there. Um, giving is our part. What happens to it is his part. If we get super recognized and patted on the back, then we've just forfeited the reward. Better off not even giving in the first place. Strange coming from a pastor who wants people to give. But it's one of those things. If your motivation is from heaven, it's better than coming from me. Coming from me, I can only whip it up so much. And I get tired anyway. But coming from heaven, coming from the Father, then each of us become sons and daughters with our own inheritance, with our own relationship with the king, with our own motivations from heaven. And it's greater than any other manly movement that can ever be created. There's many men movements that have been created. They've raised millions and billions and and they're awesome. And I love them and I've sown into many of them as well. But there's nothing like the silent giving. The silent giving. The silent giving that Jesus says, I want you to give this and no one else knows. No one else knows. Now, in this day and age, it's a little harder to give completely anonymously. I, I, I get that. And even for us, the people we gave to, they knew we gave. There was a little piece of me, I know none of you have this, a little carnival piece that just would have loved a thank you email. But we got diddly squat. We got nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it was a good test of my heart. Was I giving just to, to be thanked by them? Or was I giving into the kingdom? Well, we gave into the kingdom. We've done it many, many, many times since. And I can't even think of the time where we've actually had accolades or thank yous or anything like that. In fact, normally it's been deathly silence. And we do it because we do it for the king. Because we know scripture is powerful. It is true. And he will never let you down. He will never let you down. So if you've ever felt like you needed more accolades because you've been so generous, and we do this even in other areas just like this, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward in your Father in heaven. In church circles, unfortunately, in modern church circles even more so, we've set this mentality of uh, uh, we've got to pat everyone on the back so much just to keep them in our building. Otherwise, they're going to leave this church. Well, you probably noticed I don't typically do that. You're free to go wherever you want to go. Because if Jesus wants you here and you're hungry for the same things that we are, then he's your motivation, not me. And it takes all that yoke off me of having to manipulate enough people to stuff this building so that, we, we, we're, so that we're doing something. And, and it makes me feel good and it makes you feel good. I, I want the authentic kingdom of heaven. I want the authentic kingdom of heaven where enough people get together and that's why we love you guys. Enough people get together and we probably haven't patted you on the back enough and that's you're still here anyway. Bless you. Bless you. But it actually builds more robust Christians. Modern church typically is generating very weak believers with very shallow roots. The roots don't go down. As soon as there's an offense, either a slip from the pulpit or a, from a wrong word in the foyer or just not enough pastoral care or something. I mean, we work as hard as we can, but we don't get it right. And, and I just have to leave that with the Lord. I, we think on this stuff all the time. We talk on this stuff all the time. How can we do this better? And, 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 you know, we can't do it as good as every place does. But we know the King is here. We know those He calls, He calls. 
And when we stand in that together, there's an authenticity about loving Jesus that surpasses any program, any patting on the back, any, any other thing we can do. I want to put in uh, just, I'm going to do a Grand Canyon for a minute, okay? Can you just pause everything I've said? And I just want to speak to the men because I believe that the Lord is speaking to us men, me, men, us men, in this hour, in this hour, I mean now, as to whether we will take up the mantle of the king of our kingdoms, the king of our domain. I'm listening and watching motivational guys all over the world there. They're saying this stuff to men and they're waking men up in the thousands, in the thousands without the gospel. But they're doing it anyway. Why? Because they're recognising that unless men rise up, the whole society dies. One of the great founding fathers of England said that somehow. I think it was Winston Churchill. I'll get a quote back to you. Look it up yourself, actually. (laughs) So in my Grand Canyon moment, I actually wrote a whole 12-week series, a motivational series for men last year and set up a whole program. Interestingly enough, I was running a few weeks ago and, and I, you know that nagging Holy Spirit that I talk about sometimes? He was back. <laughs> and I was running through the beautiful hills and looking at the countryside and, the, and everything else and I had that recurring thought, really, you know, some people say, God spoke to me. God rarely does that. But I had that nagging thought from the Holy Spirit, this is for Christian men. And I'm like, no, I want to take it to the marketplace. I want to, you know, take it to them and it's much better. They pay money and they don't complain and, you know, rah, rah, rah. This is my discussion. Anyway, so this morning he confirmed to me that it's for You guys, it's for Christian men. And so I want to send some information in the next few weeks because I believe we don't have long to sit and watch and do nothing and just do nothing and just let let things go by. And and, and it's a wake-up call for me. It's a wake-up call for me to stand up and to be the gatekeepers and to be those who God's called us to be. So end of Grand Canyon, let's continue where we were going. I'll get you some information on that. But anyway, earthly actions have dramatic consequences in heaven. That's what, that's what this is teaching about. But so much of what we accept today as Christianity and even good works and all of that sort of stuff, if we're getting accolades for it as good as it is, we're getting our reward. It doesn't mean if people thank you and congratulate you and say, hey, that guy's doing amazing, that guy, I don't think that. But what I'm saying, if our motivation, if the motivation of our heart is to be seen and is to get pats on the back from other people, then it's the wrong motivation. Our motivation comes from the king. It comes from a loving saviour who laid down his life for you. And if you are here this morning and you don't know that, then you need to know that and we'll give you an opportunity in a number of minutes. (laughs) I remember sitting at my boardroom at our factory uh, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, I think I was around 30. And um, 
my lawyer said to me, you know, you're starting to build the company and it's, it's looking good, it's growing and you're, you're making profit, just taking a sort of lowish wage as you often do as a business owner, you know, because you're putting it all in, you're putting it all in. And um, I remember he said, you know, you really should start putting some extra away in superannuation. Now, say that to a 25, 30-year-old and it's like, really? 65, 67, it'll probably be 70 retirement age by the time I get there. Maybe flip, it might be 80, who knows? But um, it's, it's the last thing on your mind, retirement. You're just beginning, the last thing on your mind. Now, that same lawyer is still my lawyer today. He still annoys me with that same thing today. You really should be poor. Now, I'm 45 now, so it's a little more relevant now than it was back then. Time flies, doesn't it? But it's, it's, it's a concept that is quite foreign, building over decades and decades and de- Not instant. You won't get any of it now. In fact, you might not even see it because if you pass away, then someone else is going to get the benefit of your superannuation. This is the antithesis to modern selfishness. And so we actually see that even society knows that building for a later day and inheritance, so to speak, is actually a good thing to do. How much more then in the kingdom should we be doing that? Funnily enough, the, the superannuation issue is one of those issues that we can view it just like inheritance in the kingdom. What we do here on earth, no one sees it. No one tells anyone else what their super account is. In fact, you probably don't even know most of you, all the codes, you've forgotten the passwords. Who checks that kind of thing? Um, But it's one of those things that we want to be building toward, isn't it? In the earthly realm, how much more than for heaven? How much more than for the Father do we want to be building those things? And there's a theme of secrecy to the kingdom. There's a theme of secrecy that the Father loves. Why? Because He knows what's done in secret. You're not going to get any accolades from another man or woman or person. But He sees and He smiles and He says, wow, that's awesome. Why? Because you're doing it for me. You're doing it for me. And I believe that pleases the Father's heart. And his, his Father's heart can't help but just embrace us and adore us when we do things just because He loves us. That's the grace of God. And if that is our motivation, then all the other little flicky stuff that happens in life will only be superficial. It won't affect us so much. Why? Because we're here for the King. We're here for the kingdom of God. We're not here for a manly movement. We're not here for all that stuff. The kingdom of God is so much deeper than we think. It's so much deeper than we think. I'm only even just like scratching a verse. But when we dig deeper, the roots go deeper and we explore. Wow, all that stuff I thought was Christianity. That's all the surface. Actually, the heart of God goes so much deeper. The love of God runs so much deeper. The motivation of the kingdom of heaven means I don't have to tell anyone ever again what I'm doing or how great this is to make myself feel better because the Father already loves me. He already adores me. I'm adopted as a son or daughter into the kingdom already. Let's begin the kingdom work. Revelation 22.12 says, Look, I am coming soon, the words of Jesus to us. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And some will say, but, but 
We're justified by faith and faith alone, Luther. And that's true. That's absolutely true. But in, in the realm of those same scriptures is faith and works in the book of James. Very clear. Because out of faith, we are motivated by heaven and we begin to do works. If we just take on a belief but don't act it out, it stays here. And it's an understanding, but it may not touch the heart. Here's one to prod you with. Once saved, always saved. A lot of people say, oh, I grew up with people that were all saved. They're at prayer meetings. They're in Holy Spirit meetings, rolling on the floor, etc., etc." Well, the question is, did they really know Jesus? Did they really, 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 really give their heart over to Jesus Christ? That's the question. And what it does, these kind of doctrinal arrows that I'm throwing out at you this morning are for us to go and explore and it makes us understand the kingdom so much more. And then we can look at people through the lens of a loving father and say, wow, I want to make sure that I have my salvation secure. I want to make sure that I have my heart right. I want to make sure that we're doing the right things. I want to make sure that I'm stewarding my time well here on earth so that my father in heaven says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in. And by the way, you've got a big mansion and a swimming pool and an Australian shepherd dog, and an amazing good stuff to hang around you because you did well on earth with what I gave you. And there's a million questions that arise when you start talking like this. Because it's like, well, what about people that died one day after they got saved? They didn't have time to do good works. And what about people, what about babies who were aborted? What about someone who did this? What about someone who did that? What about someone who backslid? Ra, 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 ra. Million, a million, a million and one questions. And we're going to have eternity to have them answered. Eternity. But Scripture gives us enough to be like guideposts, doctrinal guideposts where we can go, wow, wow, that's amazing. And, and the Apostle Paul writes so much about this stuff. It's very important. It's very important. The one thing I want to finish with is if you've got more questions than answers, and you probably have, and you're thinking, oh, but I've got a friend who's this, and you know, rah, rah, rah. Let me tell you this. The one thing I do know is God is just. God is just. Therefore, he will not judge anyone wrongly. He will not judge you wrongly. If your heart is for him and you've given your heart to him, you are saved, you are born again. If you haven't, you are not saved, you are not born again. It's as simple as that. And it's very easy to just Basically, give your heart to him. You don't even need to utter the sinner's prayer. That was made by man. It's not really talked about in Scripture. All it is is a heart reformation where our heart gets circumcised. It gets cut. It gets born again. And it gets changed into a new being where we go, Jesus, get rid of all that sin from my life. Wash it from me. I don't want it anymore. I now want you. I now want you. It's as simple as that. And if you're here this morning and you've never done that, then I want to ask you that question. Do you know that you are saved? Or maybe you've been in church a long, long time and you, you've just had an awakening as many people did under the preaching of John Wesley 250-odd years ago. When John Wesley preached, he was basically preaching to Christians. 
And yet thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians got born again. How does that happen? Because people were in churches due to family reasons and due to cultural reasons, but they did not know Christ. They didn't know Jesus. And so they had awakenings whereby they realized, I haven't known this Jesus. I've been singing hymns about him for all my life. I don't even know him. Wesley himself studied at Oxford University theology, knew Hebrew and Greek and every and Latin and every other thing related to Scripture. And yet somewhere in the midst of that, his heart was strangely warmed, he called it, with a born-again experience of Jesus Christ. And so it's so important that we ask ourselves these questions. Do I know Jesus? Do I really know Jesus? Do I love him? Do I serve him? And am I being a good steward of my time here on earth? It's a question for me too. Question for me. Don't worry. Preachers get it. They, they get it. They, they, they think on this stuff and dwell on this stuff. And so I take this fully, fully, fully for me. But I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's here this morning and you don't know if you know Jesus in this way. You, you, you may have been a Christian for a long, long time you, you, or what you thought was a Christian. You may have been in church a long time or you may have sung the songs, but you don't actually know, do I know this Jesus Christ? Am I born again? Am I going to heaven? These questions are very important questions. And if you are here this morning and you don't know the answer to that, then we're all going to pray a prayer right now. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to say that prayer with all your heart. I want you just to repeat after me, everyone. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning taking full account of my life. And I've realized that I am not fully connected to you, Jesus. So I ask you to come. Wash me of all my sin. Make me a new person. And form a relationship with me. I want to ask the question, you don't have to repeat after me. I want to ask the question, if you did that this morning and either you did it for the first time or you did it in a way that is absolutely real, every eye closed, no one looking around, then I just want you to put up your hand. That's all I want. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Anyone else? If you just if you prayed that prayer and you really awesome, fantastic. Yeah, anyone else? I think there's a few others and no one's looking, don't worry. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, five or six people, seven. Fantastic. Yeah, just give me a wave because we, I want to make sure we, we get you. A, we've got salvation packs made up. We've got information we want to give you. And this stuff is life and death. Awesome. Anyone else? Just another few seconds. Anyone else? Okay. All right, there's about six or seven at least and I'm going to ask you to see Suzanne after the service and just get a salvation pack. I don't know what Suzanne's doing after the service, but she's cancelling everything. And she is going to give you a salvation bag. We want to say hello. I don't care if you've been in church 80 years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's eternal. And I want everyone to understand, as we finish this morning, I want to, I want to ask you this question. 
What does it look like this week for you to start building a greater inheritance for heaven? Not an inheritance here on earth. You can do your super. You can do some, do some good things, but in heaven. Because that's what matters. Taking other people with us to heaven covers a multitude of sins. Bible talks about that as in sharing the gospel with other people. God loves it. He loves it. Again, when our motivation is from him, it's better than some program we can run. We run programs. Don't worry about that. But there's a deeper motivation that I'm going for this morning. And it comes directly from heaven. Directly from heaven. And it won't matter what other people are doing or saying or whatever's going on around us. Why? Because we'll have a motivation of the Father. Motivation directly from the Father. Where he's saying, do this. Go here. Do this. And we live for him. We want to live for him. So let's raise our hands if you want to just participate in this prayer of building a greater inheritance. Lord, we ask that you would give us fresh eyes to see our potential here on earth, our incredible potential. You have put us here on earth for a short time and for a reason. No one is exempt from the purposes of God. Everyone is called. Everyone has, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone in this room who's hearing my voice is getting an opportunity to respond to the loving heart of the Father. So, Lord, we stand before you today and I ask that you would speak to us, that there would be a fresh anointing upon this house motivated by heaven, motivated by the Father, not by man. But where you would speak to us this week on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, etc. You would speak to us about things we're doing, things we're not doing, and that you would motivate us. Jesus, I just decree your kingship over us, your kingship over us, especially over the men, especially over the men. I heard him say, I'm blowing the trumpet over the men. I'm blowing the trumpet over the men. It's, it's, it's like a, a wartime thing, it's, and it's, it's time to rise, men. And many, many are, many are good men. I'm not bringing the whip. I'm bringing the sword. <laughs> Which one do you prefer? And so, Lord, we stand before you accountable for our deeds, for what we do and what we don't do. And, Lord, I ask that you would make this house so fruitful. You would make this house so motivated by heaven that you would raise up incredible men and women from this very house, from this very morning, who hear your voice, maybe in a fresh way the first time, and it won't take anyone else trying to, trying to motivate them because you're calling them. Let the voice of the Lord sink in. Let the voice of the Lord sink in deep. And Jesus, we say, come. We say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Have your way in this place. And Lord, I just decree over us, let the power of your kingdom come. And let your will be done in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill us with a fresh fire, a fresh motivation, and that you would do great things in the coming weeks because we're motivated by you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.